and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about should you be worried about buying a house down the street from Kainga Order. So Kainga Order is the new Housing New Zealand Corporation. That's what it used to be called. Now it's called Kainga Order. We've had this question from a couple of investors who have been looking at properties in what you'd typically call lower socioeconomic areas, but certainly gentrifying areas. And there can be some concern around, well, maybe those sorts of people that would live in Kainga Order properties may be less desirable. Maybe they'll have and cause issues with my tenants. Maybe I won't be able to get people to live in my property if the neighbours are antisocial or disruptive in any way. Perhaps that might cause some issues. So we've got a bunch of stats for you in terms of how many kind of order of properties there really are, where they tend to be, how many tenancy tribunal cases tend to be taken from kind of order. But just before we get into that, Andrew, just walk me through, what are some of those fears? What are people really worried about when thinking about purchasing an investment property or a rental property next to a Kainga Order owned one. So as an investor, you can understand that fear that if you've got less desirable neighbours, there might be a higher churn in tenancy. So not in an area like this at all, but the venture management team have been dealing with three tenants who are at war at the moment. Actually, I think I mentioned it on the Neighbours at War episode. And all of a sudden, you know, you might have to replace three tenancies and people are less likely to extend their term just because they're not getting on with their neighbours. So that's the first thing. If if you've got neighbours that are making a racket at the weekend, having parties and stuff like that, Again, if you're showing that house for let and there are you know three burnt out cars in front of the house next door and the pit bulls are barking all through the open home, you can understand that that might lead to not having an influx of tenants. The other thing is the resale, which is exactly the same lines. You know, if you're selling a property and it's surrounded by properties through Kainga Aura, then maybe that is going to affect the capital growth. Maybe it's going to affect the speed in which you can sell it because, you know, again, the open home, you've got people screaming next door. And certainly this is probably the worst stereotypes that you could necessarily think of. And not every and the vast majority of Kainga Aura tenants won't be like that. But certainly they attract a tenant who is in more need, I guess, whether that's economic need yes. or social need. And so perhaps you might have a higher instance of antisocial behaviour than you might otherwise have because those needs are higher. Now, what I want to talk about is, well, how many of these properties are actually out there and where do they tend to be? So there are about 67,000 rentals which are owned by Kainga Aura. To put that into perspective, there's about 690,000 rentals on the open market in New Zealand. So Kainga Aura makes up just shy of 10% of all houses. Now, if you average that out, then on any given street, there's probably one Kainga Aura property there. One in 10 rental properties is owned by Kainga Aura. So there's lots of them around. There are probably many streets that you've driven down and unknowingly driven past one of these houses or a house that is occupied by a Kainga Aura tenant. The other thing I want to talk about is that these are unevenly distributed around New Zealand. So what I've done is compared for each council area, how many Kainga Aura properties are there and how does that compare to the number of people who live in there? Now, that allows me to create an index and say, well, which areas over-index in terms of Kainga Ora properties? So number one is Porirua City. So Porirua makes up 1.2% of New Zealand's population, but has 3.2% of the country's Kainga Ora houses. Now, that means that that city over-indexes by 2.66 times. And so 
just to go through the top eight cities or top eight areas that have the most kainga order houses for their population, it is places like Porirua, Lower Hutt, Gisborne, Napier, Hamilton, Auckland, Palmston's in there too. It does tend to be those cities, and again, those top two are Lower Hutt and Porirua in Wellington region. So what we do know is that cities tend to have more people, probably because that's where cost of living is higher and wages perhaps aren't as high, that have that need for kainga order houses. Yeah, well, I wonder, because the rents are really high in Wellington and have been for a long time, there might be a much higher need for more of these type of properties where the rents are subsidised by the government. And just compare that to the bottom eight council areas that have the fewest kainga ora properties for their population. In first place, Southland District, which only has four Housing New Zealand or kainga ora properties, followed by Selwyn, Mackenzie District, Western Bay, Plenty, Queenstown. They're all of these much smaller population areas where there may be cheaper rents, even though, of course, Queenstown has very high rents. It's probably so expensive that you don't necessarily have people on very low incomes living there. So that just gives you a sense. We tend to have more kainga ora properties within these cities. Now, just before I go through some more stats, let's just take a change of track for a minute and come back to those fears, Andrew, because otherwise I'll go on for another 10 minutes about these. Are these reasonable fears to have? So people worry about that. I'm going to have some undesirable tenants. Is that a reasonable fear or have we just made this up in our heads? Look, I think that it's natural to think about these things. As an investor and an investor who's been investing for a long time, I don't know that I would consider this a major issue if the property I was buying was maybe just down the road or something like that and and if it, you know, if it was in an area that's changing anyway because you do, like Ed said before, have these places everywhere. It is the horror stories that make the newspaper and that's the same for horror stories for just a normal rental. You can have undesirable tenants in any property. That's just the fact of the matter. But to make the assumption that one of these tenants is going to be more problematic, I don't think that's fair personally. And just to talk about one of those horror stories, because I went onto one of the Facebook groups in order to say, well, what's the worst horror story I can find? And I don't want to scare you too much uh, or to invalidate what you just said. But there was one story I read where they're living in a property, the neighbouring property is a kainga or a house. And the Black Power gang came along for three days and had a three-day party in the street and in their driveway. So I guess it's easy to hear some of those horror stories and think, oh my gosh, that is the worst thing. Why didn't you call the police? Well, they did call the police. The police didn't show up. Why didn't you call Kainga Ora? Well, they did call Kainga Ora. They told them to ring the police. And it kind of went around in the circle. And that is very unfortunate. And those are the sorts of things that people probably think, oh my God, that's what's going to happen. Now, I do want to say two things in this instance. You only hear the horror stories, as you said, Andrew. You don't hear about the unfortunate person who lives in a kainga or a house. Perhaps they're in a wheelchair, which is another situation I read, you know, and perhaps they might have some sort of mental health issue, which means that they're not working, you know, and maybe they just want to be left alone and in order to live their lives and quietly go about their business. You know, that's not going to make the front page of the newspaper and it's certainly not going to be the subject of many stories. So people probably don't hear about that, but certainly that's kind of the worst situation. The other thing I want to say is that you can have undesirable tenants in any neighbouring property. They don't necessarily have to be kind or tenants, though there may be that perception that they may be less 
desirable. Now, I wondered whether I might be able to simulate this and, and get some data around this. You know, could I prove as an economist that kainga or tenants tend to be less desirable? I'll go through my process of what I've found and I'll let you make your own mind up about this because it's a bit inconclusive. It's quite hard to prove that that would be the case, certainly with numbers. So I've looked at the last six months of tenancy tribunal cases. So if I already know that kainga or properties make up about 9.5-10% of all rental properties, well, do they make up 20% of tenancy tribunal cases? If they're more troublesome, perhaps we'd see that. That's not actually what we see. We actually see the opposite. So over the last six months, although kainga or properties make up 10% of the rental market, they only make up 4.8% of tenancy tribunal cases. So about half as much, they massively under-index. Now, let me just put that into context or say those numbers in a different way. There were 3.8 tenancy tribunal rulings per thousand Kainga Aura properties over the last six months. So 3.8 per thousand. Now for non-Kainga Aura properties, there were 8.2 tenancy tribunal rulings per thousand non-Kainga Aura properties. So certainly there is a much lower incidence of tenancy tribunal rulings or cases going to the tenancy tribunal than the private market or all other properties. Of course, that would also include council housing in that 8.2. Now, it's a bit hard to interpret what that means. Does that mean that Kainga Or is a negligent landlord? There's certainly some people who believe that to be the case. Or does that show that Kainga Aura perhaps has more power as a landlord? They don't have to go to the tenancy tribunal. Yes. They have more powers. They've got certainly tenants who may not be able to go elsewhere. So perhaps they're able to deal with it in different ways or in conjunction with other social agencies. Well, I guess if you're kicked out as one of those tenants, you're probably unlikely to find another house, certainly at that same level of rent, on the open market. And if you've got a judgment that someone can find against them as a kaianga or a tenant, then maybe I probably wouldn't be putting them in one of my rental properties, put it that way. So yeah, so a bit hard to judge what that data means. So everybody will interpret that differently. The other thing I want to talk about as well is just think about the things you can't guard against. So let's say that you are the sort of person who wants to avoid investing by a kainga or a property. You might be able to go through, and I'll talk to you about how you figure out whether kainga or owns a property down the street or not. You might be able to look through and be like, cool, no housing New Zealand properties on the street. Sweet, I'm going to invest. Just remember that there is a significant amount of investment going in to providing more kind of aura housing. So while they might not be there today, they could easily be there in two years, three years. So if this is going to be the thing that really would stop you from investing, perhaps you want to then purchase in an area where they're less likely to buy a house. And that would typically be in more affluent areas rather than cheaper areas where Kainga Aura can get more bang for their buck or more rooms, more families housed for their dollars in that case. If that's something that's really going to be top of mind for you because you can't protect against who's going to move in down the street. That's right. And I do think there can be a case of overthinking this. There was a development that we actually recommended relatively recently. There was going to be a development down the road, which was going to be Kaianga Ora. But I personally didn't see it as an issue at all. I do think this is just a natural part of the market. And if you want to budget on a slightly lesser capital growth rate just to be on the safe side, I think you'll be fine at, at a normal rate. Now, the next thing I just want to talk about is what 
how do you figure out whether there are kind of order properties down the street from you? And this is where you've got to use one of those paid tools. We've talked about it a lot on the show, Property Guru. This is a product by CoreLogic. And hey, I know a lot of you listening to the show, some of you have gone to CoreLogic and purchased this. If not forever, then just for a couple of months and been talking to some of the team at CoreLogic. And I know some of the team at CoreLogic said to some of the people we know there, oh, the podcast is getting lots of people coming and asking us about Property Guru. They said, our podcast? No, the Opus one, the Property Academy. <laughs> the so we very much appreciate you guys mentioning that as well because we really like the guys at CoreLogic, big fans of them. And if you use that property guru, you can type in a street that you're looking at and you can browse through and see the name of the legal owner of that property. Now, if you search through your street, and Andrew, I actually tried to do this to both the street that you live on and the street that I live on to find out whether there were any <laughs> on our streets. Were there? there? Well, there, there weren't actually, yeah, which kind of defeated my argument. <laughs> I really wanted to come in here and say, Andrew, you live down the street from a Kainga order property. That's not the case in this instance, which defeats what one of the arguments I was hoping to make. <laughs> but, you know, I was able to do this quite easily. Type in a street, scroll down the list. You'll be able to say, cool, Jenny, Reeves, Heather Scott, Manu Dorba, or whatever it happens to be. Colonel Mustard. <laughs> yeah, Colonel Mustard. <laughs> and, and then kind of order may be there, or you may not see it, you know, and you'll see again, limited liability again, companies, you'll see trusts. Again, it's what's owned today. So so that doesn't mean that they won't buy a plot of land. Probably Ed, you're safe in Remuera, but generally speaking, I don't think you'll you'll have an issue. Yes, that's definitely the case. <laughs> but for people who want to go through and search for this when purchasing there is an option. There is a very easy way to figure this out. There isn't a way that I've seen using free tools in order to figure this out. But if I'm proved wrong by that, send me a text. Our number is, of course, 5522. And if you have a topic idea as well that you'd like us to talk about, then please do send us a text. 5522, whip out your phone, send it through. We do love to hear from you. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichols. I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.